The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. With Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Six on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. My first ever, ladies, perhaps I should not admit to this off the top of the show, and my first ever roundtable, unless you consider having more than one person in the studio at a time, a roundtable, uh, I picked you two because I knew you'd be able to carry this topic for me if I wasn't able to. Uh, Natalie Harper... Uh, the founder and managing director for Harper PR and Catherine Bagel. Bangle. Bangle. You're welcome. Man, sorry. It's okay. You and Peter Mansbridge never yeah. my name right. <laughs> well, I'm in good company then. <laughs> uh, owner of Bangle PR, both uh, firms here in Edmonton. I want the topic to be about PR. I want this to be a conversation, so not an interview. <laughs> I know I'm saying all of this as we're on live radio, but I want everyone to know what the rules are because I'm fascinated by the world of PR, and I'm specifically fascinated by the misuse of it or the lack of it. And I have to tell you, and then you ladies tell me whatever you'd like, if you're me and you have a talk show in the afternoons on 6.30 Ched, your favorite story, your absolute favorite story is a PR train crash. That is, <laughs> you know, if I can find one of those a day, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> and the second is a PR victory. Someone, some company, some brand that does something remarkable and unexpected, and you suddenly see that company in an entirely different light than you did a moment ago. So let's talk about social media, but let's start with what do you guys do? <laughs> oh gosh, that's don't you get that question every coffee meeting you have <laughs> all the time? Yeah. I think I think uh, a lot of the time people think you know PR is fabulous parties and you know Kim Kardashian. Man, and I never thought that. <laughs> but I, think so. I thought it was you alone in the basement with a laptop. Is what I thought. <laughs> that, I is, that, that is, is that is it. That oh, okay. is that. So you know quite well what PR is. <laughs> but I think it is definitely it's so much more. I think social media is just one of the many aspects of PR. I mean, it's communications. It's connecting brands to audiences. It's engaging people. Um, it's telling and sharing stories or Helping, helping people who don't know how to tell their story um, to formulate it. If you asked me right now to tell my story, I couldn't do it, but I can help you because some, sometimes we're the worst at figuring out how to share our own stories. So that's where we come in, right, Kat? That is right. You know, I was a journalist for a very long time. That's my background. So, um, you know, at the heart of what I do is I'm a storyteller, much like you probably, Andrew. Um, and so that's that's what we do. That's what I do. I bring those tools to companies, not for profits, basically anybody, and help. But you're not them. telling your story. You're telling their story. Well, right? I could tell you mine if you really wanted it. Well, I'm sure that's not what we're here for. It's only a four-hour show. Um, <laughs> but when you when a when a not-for-profit or a, a company reaches out to either of your firms or any PR firm, you're not going to join them. You're, you're not going to join their staff. 
So are you going to teach them how to do PR or are you going to oversee what they're doing or are you going to analyze what they've done in the past and tell them where they've aired? I mean, where do you start with a new company or, you know, or brand? It's That's such a good question. And I mean, I like to think of things in terms of ice cream flavors. I like this already. So, really, <laughs> there are so many different ice cream flavors to choose from. And, you know, you can choose vanilla, you can choose chocolate, you can choose cher- a cherry. Cherry? Sure, why not? Mint chocolate sure. chip? Yeah. Or you can combine them <laughs> oh, all and, you know, have your own special blend. And this is the same for a brand, an organization. Each brand is going to have a different need. They're going to have different goals. They're going to have different objectives. How you go in and help them is going to be completely different across the board. So to answer the question, yes, you can go in and you can be an extension of their team. You can train them. You can help them. A lot of what Kat and I do is actually media train people. Mm -hmm. So before they come in and talk to wonderful folks like you, Mm -hmm. we help them to prepare so that they're in a more comfortable, you know, space to to do that. I wish you had more clients. Oh, we have plenty. <laughs> Natalie and I have plenty. I'm sure you do. No, it wasn't a criticism. It no. just It is funny, though, because, you know, sometimes, and you both know this, sometimes you trip across in this job that I'm in a great story, but a poor storyteller. Yes. And, you you know, you talk to them and you, you almost feel the need to tell their story for them because they're struggling to tell their own story. The guest who just left is a great storyteller. Love having him on, does a great job and knows how to present that. But that is often not the case. And how, I mean, if you take on a customer, for example, who in the conversation you realize they're just not a great storyteller. How are you going to turn a person into a great storyteller? I think within an organization, there probably are a few people that are probably, it's it's about finding the right voice and for your company too. Um, the person who can tell that story within your company. And that's what Natalie and I do as well. We can go into a company, figure out one, what is your story? Two, how do you tell it? And three, who's the best to do it? I mean, it's just like if you wrote a book, you know, you need good characters. And so, you know, you need the voice that can, that can tell that story and take it somewhere. So I think within a company, you can do that and there is some training that you can do with people who you know if there's one entrepreneur and that is the brand that is the person running the company there is lots you can do to try and help them be a better storyteller and I suppose add to the <coughs> list that you just gave who do you want to tell your story to mm-hmm. right very important I would imagine most people I think think with a lack of training in either media or uh, PR the just uh, shotgun approach approach to telling everybody everything <laughs> You know, probably you'll hit your target market at some point. But these days, especially in light of social media, it's really important to have a specific presence and a specific personality that goes along with your brand, your product, or your company. And that was an awkward way to get us to social media, but that's where I wanted to get <laughs> no, to. that was good. That was good. How much, social, how much has social media changed what PR firms do? It's, it's 100% a game changer. I yeah. mean, I remember... You know, just over 10 years ago, working at a PR agency in Calgary, and we heard of this. I got an invite from a cousin in the States in university. You know, join this Facebook thing, Natalie. And I was like, what's well, this Facebook thing? <laughs> <laughs> and um, lo and behold, I embraced it. And I was one of the first in Alberta to actually embrace Facebook. And it was because it originated in the campuses, universities, colleges in the States. And I happened to have a cousin going there. So I started paying attention to this thing called Facebook, and within a matter of months, we were using it to um, source out some activism for some uh, 
energy clients, Greenpeace, was taking to Facebook all of a sudden, and we, we thought, oh boy, this is going to be huge. And 10 years later, look where we're at. It's completely changed the way that we communicate. It's completely changed the way that we operate in the PR field, like you said. And which social platform do you think is the most significant right now? I think it depends on what your company is and who your target audience is. I mean, obviously, Twitter is huge. Facebook, huge. Instagram now, you know, taking over, um, too. I mean, but yeah, it, it, it ever, depends. I'm st- I still have not embraced Instagram. <laughs> I have an account. <laughs> but you need to look at social media as a tool in the mm-hmm. toolbox that you can use, right? And finding the right one for what the story is and who you need to tell it to. But it's a double-edged uh, sword, though, isn't it? Because, yeah, you can use it to tell your story, but others can use it to tell a story about you. Mm-hmm. And it's instant. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm wondering as well, how significant it is, how important it is in, in a big enough company, or maybe not even in a big company, to have somebody who is absolutely responsible for social media, who's responsible for staying on top of Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and seeing what customers are saying about them and responding. And how important is it that those people know how to respond so as to best represent the brand or company? Yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, it, it, it has evolved. You know, there's there's specific roles within organizations now dedicated to doing just that. And it's monitoring what's being said proactively but and being able to react as well to those comments. But there's also a big part of social media that companies use um, for a positive as well. So they listen to what's happening. What are people talking about online? How can they integrate themselves into the conversations? So... You could be talking about, I was talking about it, encountering the train on the way here. Well, maybe mm-hmm. train station company is, <laughs> is monitoring me and will go, sorry for the delay, Natalie. You know, let's give you a present. <laughs> so <laughs> I like how that only, works. But right, it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity for brands to not only respond to things that people are saying and posting directed at them, but surprise them. You said something about, you know, gifting or mm-hmm. earlier, right? You know, that's, we, we look at ways, brands look at ways to surprise and delight their audiences these days. Social media is such an amazing tool for that. I love when we find a, a nice little nugget of, you know, say there's a single mom at Christmas and she can't afford something for you know, her kitchen or her child or whatever the case may be, we've been able to, with some of the brands that I work with, surprise her Mm -hmm. by providing that item that she said that she needed. And it's across the board. It's Mm -hmm. it's wonderful to look for those nuggets. Think about um, WestJet and their Christmas video. Mm -hmm. That has become almost a Christmas tradition. People wait for WestJet's video to come out. And I can't think of another example off the top of my head, unless one of you two ladies can, of a company that's basically putting an advertisement out and getting tens of thousands of people to distribute it for them in what is, like I say, basically an advertisement. But it's done in a way that is storytelling, right? I mean, as people, we love a good story, right? We love all the elements of a good story. And a story told well makes you feel. It gives you, you know, it creates emotion. It makes you mad or sad or angry or whatever. It makes you want to help or buy a ticket or support charity or do whatever. So through good storytelling, like WestJet does, even though it's technically an advertisement, um, 
they managed to reach so out to an audience that was and very PR-ish of you it's it technically <laughs> no no it's an ad no it is <laughs> yeah. I mean it is it, right. you know it's promoting their brand it's telling their brand story but it makes you feel good when you watch it oh, I right? love those videos watch them over think, and over so again the next time you go buy a ticket what do you think oh I'm going to buy a WestJet ticket because they're so great with the community and they're so great at giving back and they've got great content and they're great storytellers and that's what they've managed to do really well it all comes down to a really great story. For sure. And putting WestJet aside, because I don't want anyone to think that this next question leads, you know, as a result of that last company's <laughs> name. <laughs> but as a, a consumer, I often think that if companies don't want to have bad press or they don't want to have bad reputations, they shouldn't do bad things. <laughs> and, and I don't know why. And I, I would imagine that some companies hire PR firms after bad things have happened in order to help solve the problem that they created themselves. And I swear, if one more company says they take this very seriously, I will lose my <laughs> mind because you didn't take it seriously. Yeah. That's why we have this problem. So how often is it that that's the job you're called in to do, some disaster recovery? Well, I don't know about Natalie, but I really like the positive side of PR <laughs> over the crisis side of PR. And I mean, as a news reporter, that was me, right? I chased crisis PR stuff all the time, told crisis stories. Um, but yeah, there are certain PR firms that that is their specialty to handle crisis communications. That's not mine. Should I, I don't love it. I don't like doing it. Should a company have a disaster plan in hand? Yes. 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 And do most? No. no. Well, that's an oversight. <laughs> they obviously don't take that very seriously. It, it's it's interesting to me because I I have done quite a bit of crisis communications in my career, and uh, and like Kat, I've said no to many of those kind of. Oh no! Mm -hmm. Something just hit the fan. I need help. <laughs> um, and I've I've said no. We don't want to be part of that. But. Um, but proactively, once you're ingrained within a company, you are not only looking for, hey, what are the great stories to share? What is this company doing really well that we can highlight? Mm -hmm. But once you are getting familiar with a brand, you're also seeing maybe where you can do some risk assessment mm -hmm. and um, some due diligence and kind of highlight them. You know, if, if you don't fix this, this could turn catastrophic for you. So that's a big part of what Kat and I do too, is mm -hmm. we can say, look, you might not see this as a red flag, but we're telling you it is. And if you don't course correct, mm -hmm. this is what the outcome could be. Interesting. I want to pursue that uh, train of thought. We have to take a break, uh, sell a few cars or something like that. We still got <laughs> some time at this half hour. Let's do that right now and get it out of the way. to turn on. I'm sitting down and having my first ever roundtable. I think it's going swimmingly well. Natalie Harper, founder, managing director, Harper PR, and Catherine Bangle. Bangle, owner of Bangle. Why? I'm going to spell that phonetically. You should phonetically. just, you know what? We should just go Cat and Nat. Cat and Nat. We are Cat and Nat. and Nat. I think I there's like a, it. Mom's, yeah. a mom's team in Toronto called Cat and Nat. <laughs> really? Also doing really well on social media. <laughs> you want to follow them, I like make it. it simple. At Cat and Nat. Well, we're talking about uh, handling disasters, and I wanted to sort of continue along those lines. As I said off the top of this conversation, I honestly relish them. I, I just love it when a company screws up, and I love talking about it. Uh, and as I say, I oftentimes wonder why they just don't take it seriously before the crisis happens, as opposed to having to manage the crisis. But you talked, both of you, earlier about um, the message and how you say it and who you say it to. And it comes to mind in 2017, United Airlines 
and you know the gentleman who was dragged off the plane uh -huh. and putting aside the fact that apparently nobody knows that everybody has a phone now and is able to <laughs> videotape these things and putting aside the fact that you shouldn't probably drag people off your planes like put those we don't even have to talk about those two things mm -hmm. their initial tweet was that they apologized when when they did acknowledge that it happened they apologized for reaccommodating the guest and what had been a story that might have lost some wind at that point got gale force winds back again because that's how you saw it reaccommodating and I'm, I'm just wondering in your job how I mean, uh, how can you anticipate that somebody in charge of a Twitter account is going to say something as stupid? Because that's what it was, stupid. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned that you train companies, but how do you stand in front of the board or the owner of a company and say, what I need you to do if we're going to work together is not do stupid things <laughs> or say stupid things? You know what? One of the best social media guidelines I've ever read was exactly that don't do anything stupid, use your common sense. And it was as simple as that. Mm -hmm. But most brands have a little bit more of a comprehensive <laughs> social <laughs> media <slightly>. guideline. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, there's a lot that goes into something like that before it does get posted on Twitter. Usually, I mean, there would have been a war room of people probably mm -hmm. preparing that messaging. And, you know, things have changed so much, like you said, in general, because of social media for social for PR people, because we used to be able to anticipate, OK, well, what are all the possible things that could go wrong? and you had key messages prepared. You were ready for those scenarios. I've been part of brands where we do mock scenarios mm -hmm. and we we pretend like the media are calling and we, we, th we throw these brands through this process to make sure they can handle it. However, there's things being missed, like don't, what happens when someone posts a video of a passenger being you know, taken off the plane this way. There's just so many ways for every single person out right. there with a phone to be a journalist. Yeah, exactly. And it makes it faster, right? Like your your response needs to be faster than it ever was before. I mean, we would find out in the news media far slower than things happen on social media now. Now journalists see that happen on their Twitter account. They're oh, not yeah. hearing about it secondhand or waiting for the news release to come out or waiting for the family to get home and then call the news station like it used to be. Um, so PR professionals used to have more time, right? They could prepare messaging and, and had more time to get out in front. Now it slaps you in the face on a Twitter account. Well, I can imagine that... You can take a breath. Exactly. I can imagine United Airlines, just using that as an example, probably did not have a protocol for what uh, their social media people should do, should a video surface uh, of their employees dragging a doctor off a plane. So that probably wasn't specifically put there, but I would assume what was there instead, and I would assume that's the kind of thing that you would teach a company, is that we need a protocol or a, a disaster plan of some kind that if we feel it's reached DEFCON whatever, <laughs> that this is the individual who will oversee our corporate uh, message back, mm -hmm. and then I would imagine in general what that message should be, because I, 
again, like I say, it's so entertaining when they screw up, but <laughs> what I find is they sometimes, like the situation of reaccommodating the passenger, mm-hmm. that was a, an additional screw up. But other screw ups that I see sometimes are complete denials or mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuses or, mm-hmm. you know, attempting to share the blame. Well, if you'd have shown up sooner, you wouldn't have missed the flight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it feels like this, like you say, everything's so instant now. There's this knee-jerk reaction to what's just happened. And in hindsight, you kind of wish you hadn't reacted that way. And the internet is forever. That's the other thing, right? No matter what the platform, it's forever. So you can take that tweet down. It's in ink and not pencil. Exactly right. right. You can find them all. And the second a company, I mean, give me an example, give me your opinion on this. A company tweets something incredibly stupid, (laughs) realizes it's incredibly stupid. Should they just delete the tweet and pretend it didn't happen? (laughs) Or should they, I mean, what should they do? You know, that's a good question. I mean, you can't, you well, like we just said, everything lives on the that's internet right. forever. You know, you, you, the best course typically, depending on what the situation is, is, is to acknowledge and to apologize, apologize. and then <laughs> let people know what you're planning to, mm-hmm. to do to correct it. And do you have to offer a sacrifice? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> Let's hope it's not quite that bad. But, you know, an apology goes a long way for most people. It really does. See, I'm trying to connect in my mind. So I'm always assuming that if I don't completely understand something, uh, the listeners don't either. <laughs> so I'm trying to understand your role as a PR firm, whether it's in a disaster or just on a normal day. Um, do you, do they check with you before they, you know, before they tweet something in a disaster? Do you see it on Twitter and phone them and go, okay, nobody tweet until I've talked to you. I mean, how, what's the relationship? And it really does it depend, depend on, on the, the, I mean, there's levels of catastrophe <laughs> that we're dealing with. And there's um, levels of companies too. I mean, like yes. somebody like United will have an entire marketing team, right. an entire communications team, and legal a CEO, team, and a legal it's team, and very all of that, robust. right? So, you know, your job... Mom and pop coffee shop yes. may not have those same people, um, the same budgets to deal with a crisis. Yeah. But really, fundamentally, the theory remains the same, right? If, if they've messed up, there should still be a process in place. And, um, you know, whether you have 200 lawyers helping you or you have your best friend maybe that you're <laughs> running by running by how you should deal with or this your daughter's um, boyfriend yeah you know and not everyone has a pr person That's either right. like let's be real i'm sure the majority of people listening right now don't have a pr person well that's where i want to go next is who should have a pr person (laughs) who needs and we need to take a break for news headlines we'll be back with nat and cat the pr conversation with jaylen nye and andrew gross breaking news with eileen bell and sports with morley scott this is the afternoon news on 630 chat edmonton's breaking news and conversation station We, should have, we shouldn't have taken the news break. We should have had that conversation on live <laughs> radio. That was both informative and entertaining. We're talking with Natalie Harper from uh, the managing director of Harper PR and Catherine Bangle, owner of Bangle PR. You got it. Boom. Look at that. Only took me to the second half hour. Uh, we did talk in the first half hour a lot about social media, but of course there's uh, much more than that. Um, to uh, PR work, I'm sure. And you had mentioned, uh, Natalie, that 
uh, something about, you know, mom, pa, whatever, grocery store. And the question I wanted to ask right away, but we ran out of time, was, so who does need PR? I graduated with a marketing degree, from, you know, and we were told at the time, everybody's going to need a marketing person at some time or another. It turned out not to be true, um, but we tried to sell that prospect. So does everybody need a PR firm, or can you be your own PR? <laughs> we're both, oh, silent. We both, like, we both want to say everyone needs a PR person. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do want to say that. We're biased. We are big fans of PR. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a reality for everybody. I mean, you're not going to walk down the street holding my hand. Here's my <laughs> PR person. Um, but, you know, a, a lot oh, of brands... That <laughs> eliminates my to, next we question. Can, we can definitely do that sometime. But uh, no, I think, you know, there's... Everyone has a different budget. If they're, especially, we're talking small business, right, or or business in general. If you're on your own social media platforms, you are your own PR person. Then, so hopefully, you you give yourself a good raise when you do great posts. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's it, you don't always need a PR person. But there's some very savvy people out there who have been able to make strides in the social media sphere on well, their own. Typically, when you decide whether or not you need anything, uh, the cost turns to cost. Can I just of, be blunt? Of, yeah, a lot of times. Okay, so what's it cost? <laughs> That's, it depends what you need and, and how much help you need. Really? It's like, do you want to fly to Grand Prairie today or would you like to go to Bora Bora, <laughs> sir? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, really case by case. It's the worst response, but it's true. Everybody has a different need in terms of what they need to do. And I, of course it would depend as like you just said on what they need. So is there people who phone either of you and say, I just want to meet with you once and learn some stuff and that's, and we're done. Are there people who say, we'd like you to almost be a staff member. We'll give you an office. I mean, Absolutely. is it really? Both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I go for coffee dates all the time and people, especially if they're small business owners, they will sit down and say, I don't really know what you do, Kat, but I've heard great things, um, and I'd really like some of that. Like, that that's it, right? Like, I don't know what you do, but I need some of that, I think. what? Like, tell me what you do and what you can do for me. What, what do you think the biggest mistake the average company makes when it comes to public relations? Is there one mistake that you see over and over again? Not listening to your PR yeah. person. <laughs> 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 fair. That's totally yeah. fair. I, I mean, really, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people say to me, you know, oh, this PR thing looks fun. You know, I'm going to try it. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to perform brain surgery tomorrow. <laughs> no, we, we're very skilled at what we do. And we, we you know, can truly help a lot of um, organizations when they, like Kat said, they don't even know what they need. They, they just know they want some of that. Yeah. Um, well, what do most companies want? They want more exposure. They want more sales. Mm -hmm. So is that how they measure the effectiveness of what you've done with them? Or, or do you sit down and say, I mean, do you have that conversation before you do the first piece of work is that this is what I want to accomplish and this is how we're going to measure it? Yes, you absolutely need goals, right? Like what, especially for social media, like what is your goal in being part of social media? Do you want to engage a, new customers? Do you want to build brand recognition? Do you want to sell an, out an event? Like what is your goal? Because that will determine how you how you speak online that will determine the content that you create that will determine who your target audience is and what tools in that toolbox you use right so when Nat and I go in we figure out what it is they need what it is their goals are and how we can best accomplish that 
lot for them. So, you know, people just roll their eyes when I, I say what I'm about to say, but I can't think of a better example. I run a comedy festival. Yeah. It would be great to take the hardship of selling those tickets off my shoulders and put them on yours. Mm. But my reluctance would be, what do you know about comedy festivals? Mm -hmm. So well, there must I've be a lot. I've promoted a comedy festival. Oh, just, which, just which one? Just <laughs> <laughs> We do festivals all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that wasn't meant as an insult, no, but that's got to be the thought process, right? I mean, especially for a company that's started small and grown and they're at that point where they know they have to release some of that responsibility but they don't want to it's still their child and they must wonder well how you know what do you know about my business or what do you know about my product that's the thing we're not your we're not your mouthpiece really you know we go in and help you try to share your message and help you share your event or help you share your cause you're the still at the end of the day the one who is the expert on what it is that you do and I think, you know, Kat's background is media. We were talking about storytelling. You know, I haven't been, I've been pure PR, but part of my training and schooling is, is journalism. So we're trained to look for those nuggets of stories and help you formula formulate that and share that story, right? So I might not be very funny, but I know how... <laughs> well, that made me laugh, so... <laughs> I know, I do know fundamentally the theory of what we need to do to promote your comedy festival, you know, bottom line. I remember I started, you know, PR 15 years ago and my, my first boss at the time, she threw me into doing tech PR and she's like, Natalie, if you can do tech PR, you can do anything. <laughs> what does that mean? Tech? So technology. Oh, so really? like I was working, I was doing business, um, uh, God, I can't, I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> um, business intelligence, um, you know, working with brands based out of Seattle and San Francisco. And I had to write about things I knew nothing about, you know, I had to go down and work with analysts in the states and you know here I am just fresh out of PR school and um, you know you learn you, the, one of the things I love most about PR is you do get to learn mm -hmm. by working with the people and the companies that you do you do get to learn quite a bit so I did learn a little bit about business intelligence and I did learn about things that I would never have been exposed to and it's because we were working with those experts and we mm -hmm. we got more sponges we absorb what I would imagine not-for-profits specifically you mentioned that charities mm -hmm. not-for-profits who could also benefit from um, your expertise you must get asked a lot though or be told that there are great causes and therefore they would prefer you not charge them anything or you must get th those kind of requests am i right sure, sure. all the time yeah. but they do need to understand you do this for a living well there are a there lot of great causes and i mean we both give to causes that we're passionate about and i think that we are superheroes in some ways because we can use our talents to help organizations that maybe they don't have the budget for what they want to do or what they need to do but we we can help them and we we do get behind things that we are personally yeah i'm just thinking about in. banking you both board members so. <laughs> we get asked to be board <laughs> i'm sure you do and Let's there's <laughs> a lot of nonprofits out there too or charitable groups too that they do get funding and they realize yeah. investing they get funding, funding specifically for in, that for marketing yeah. and pr and and social media mm -hmm. um you know this holiday season i saw probably more than ever social media used as such a great tool to generate mm -hmm. donations mm -hmm. so you know shout out to bissell center um, they do such a great job yeah, online. I, I, I and, read a lot about the You know, Brain Care yeah. Center and 
um, a, a lot of charitable organizations really tap into social media now. Even your own Santa's Anonymous. Exactly. Oh, do we ever? Do you ever do yeah. a lot of social media? Huge yeah. social media push you know, this year. And I'm obviously biased when it comes to Santa's Anonymous, but when I first got to chat, I couldn't believe the brand recognition for Santa's Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing about that is I'm maybe not even allowed to say this, but Jay's not here, so I will. <laughs> the fact that the it crosses over into other um, competing media's conversation mm-hmm. is almost unheard of. So if somebody is the presents on something, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be a television sh- uh, station or radio station or uh, newsprint, you just all understand among yourselves that even though it's a great cause, you don't promote the other person's, mm-hmm. but everybody promotes mm-hmm. Santa's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just a grandfathered in that's been around for so... Uh, we're seeing more of that. I was part of a big charitable campaign this year where we did have two different media partners, and they both were like, nope, no qualms. No problem, it's man. just mm-hmm. a good thing to do in the community. and um, But at the same time, brands are able to, to not necessarily have to rely on that, because not every Every charitable organization gets wonderful media partners like yourselves, right? So they are, they're able to share their own stories, mm-hmm. they're able to cultivate, you know, funds on their own and, hmm. you know, more probably more than ever before. It's a very competitive landscape to, to get donations, mm-hmm. but they're much more equipped to be able to do it on their own. Let's talk about media specifically uh, now and journalism because prior to social media, um, if you wanted to get your story out, you needed to get a journalist interested in your story. Um, now you can do it yourself or you can hire a PR company, you can use social platforms, everybody's got a voice. Is there still, in your mind, a need for media? And is it still, uh, is it difficult to get media's attention? Oh, I, I see all of my journalist friends sitting at home listening to what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, so as a former journalist, um, I would say my so my most of my company started just doing media mostly doing media um obviously social media came into that um and now we do a lot of content generation um but the bulk of what i have done the last five years is book media interviews like i am doing right now sitting in front of you which i did not book myself i will just say (laughs) um but you know, I still Who's your see our person. Yeah, yeah. Who is my PR person. Um, Wait, you didn't book each other, did you? By we chance, didn't. Or? We didn't. Okay. No. Um, um, I st- obviously I still think there's a need for journalists. Um, I think it's important work. It pains me to c- see what is happening in the media, but I will tell you, um, of all the clients that I still put, I still always will put clients on television, radio, and print. I still see the value in it. I still see a huge audience here, specifically in Edmonton. I think we're a very blue-collar type city. We've all grown up watching the 6 o'clock news, and yes, we still get our media on social media, and we check our Facebook feeds and whatever every day, but there is a large volume of people still in Edmonton who, you know, will listen to your show or listen to the 6 o'clock news or listen to a morning radio show or pick up, you know, a paper, maybe not a paper. Okay, maybe not a paper. Um, but we'll read the <laughs> well, journal uh, online, sure. right? We'll paper's an interesting online. example, paper though, right? It, it, what's <clears> happening uh, with Post Media specifically, but paper in general, um, it's sort of, again, another two-sided situation where there fewer people are reading the print yes. uh, version of anything. <clears throat> Um, they're reading it online. I think possibly the print media was too slow, slow. in reacting yes. to what was happening and have been caught. Um, but also at the same time, one 
situation caused the next, which was a reduction in staff uh, all across the board. But I will tell you, I took advantage of that. As a journalist, now not in media, and now doing PR for companies, my ability to know what a journalist wants, when they need it, how they need it, how fast they need it, what the story is that they're going to like, was what I was able to pitch to media. And because there were far fewer journalists in the pool, they rely heavily on someone like me who's going to give them a good story. You are absolutely right. Right? You are absolutely right. So I essentially became a contract producer. Right. Outside of of media. So I spent how many years, you know, at at Global Television? Now I can pitch my lovely friends over at Global, (laughs) as I do with CTV. They're also lovely. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, I can pitch them a really great story and they appreciate it because they know I'm not going to give them garbage. They know I'm going to write their guest form for them. They know I'm going to write a lovely intro. They know I'm going to send them the questions that I think are the most important ones. And for sure, they can go through and figure out what it is they actually want to ask and do their own journalism. Do you ever write the whole article? Yes, a lot. A lot of what you see in the paper is... A lot of the time, or written by a PR firm. When you read something, a lot. And of that's the time where it's you see the author person. to be written by staff, or mm-hmm. I shouldn't be giving away too many secrets here. But, <laughs> but if it's well written and it's written as a journalist would write it, yes. I can understand why they would take a look at that and say, I have, yeah. I have pitched stories to magazines where I've known the editor and the editor says to me, Kat, we don't have a body to write that, but I certainly know that you have the qualifications to write it. So if you write it, we'll print it. But could you try and put your journalist hat on and take your PR hat <laughs> off just a little bit? And I'll yeah. say, okay, 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 I'll do that. Um, and I'm happy to. I've written many stories for um, magazines where I've you know, included people in the story who are not my clients, but for sure my own client is featured in there. So it has a bit more of a journalistic flair right. to it as opposed to a sales ad. Because I'm not that- even going to look at our texting page, <laughs> but I'm going to guess that somebody's, well, fake news, fake news, yeah. but you are actually presenting news though, right? It's No, it's a, it's 100%. Like the, la- the traditional media landscape has changed. There's n- no two, two ways about it. And you know, when I started NPR 15 plus years ago, I, there was a stat given to me at that time, so it's changed significantly. <clears throat> but 50% of what you consume in traditional media is put there by PR people. And however you want to take that, it's because we, again, we've worked to identify maybe a story that can be told that maybe you're doing your comedy festival and, and we think of something really cool that would be really um, engaging for your followers or your listeners um, and that you might not identify yourself. I think the second biggest thing why traditional media is still relevant and important today is credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, we still, everyone tuned in right now listening, we listen to the hosts and the on-air and the and read the articles from the writers we do because there's an aspect of credibility behind them rather than just seeing a headline on Facebook, not really reading it, and not really having the full picture. It's an interesting part of this conversation that I actually had not anticipated having, but I'm absolutely (laughs) riveted by it because I am media, and I find that you develop relationships with specific PR Mm -hmm. people because you trust them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that same relationship that you're talking about, people who trust a particular media individual or show or station or whatever it is, and I sometimes, and I suppose that must be a big part of your job as well, is forming that relationship mm-hmm. and being able to bring that relationship to the table with a new customer, because there, uh, there's PR companies who 
on a horrible day in which two guests dropped out, I allowed the author of a book on, <laughs> right? And now I get 10 a day from them yes. with the next most exciting author ever. And typically speaking, authors are horrible on radio. They just, and there, I said it. They're horrible. <laughs> Their books are great. The conversation You isn't. are going to need a PR you person are Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be no more authors on this show. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things where... Um, I, there are one or two individuals I would love to add. Well, actually, you guys do send me stuff from time to time. But who you trust their opinion, who n understand not only their client or their customer, but they understand the show you're doing. I, I always say it's a very fine line that I walk because occasionally I will have clients who say, yeah, I can't make that interview that you've already booked for me. And I'm like, if you do not get down there and do that interview, you now jeopardize my relationship with media, right? Right. So it's a very fine line that I walk between my client and media. And, you know, my my degree says journalism. It doesn't say PR. Um, I've done both. Um, and I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. Um, but I would never send you something that was terrible. Um, not only because it would jeopardize, you know, my mm -hmm. job as a PR person, um, but just because it would hurt my heart to have <laughs> something terrible on on news radio right it hurts my heart as well to tell you ladies this <laughs> that i actually skipped a break in this half hour oh because boy. i got so engrossed <laughs> in this conversation i've now pushed this past the time where we can catch up um so i have to say goodbye to you boy i have to say this is it we'll have to play a whole bunch of commercials in a row i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i would love to do I would love to do it again. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, once again, we were talking with Natalie Harper, founder and managing director of Harper PR, and Catherine Bangle, <laughs> owner of Bangle PR. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.